I've been, I've been telling God most of the day that I don't want to preach this. So just so you know, that's the disclaimer. I don't like things that convict me the whole time I'm talking. I like to say things that are convicting to you guys. I come to you in much humility. I come to you as somebody that is sensing, as the leader of this campus, what I am sensing to be a word from the Lord for me individually, but also for us corporately. And uh, Austin and I have talked about a lot of things today, but we have not talked about what I was going to be preaching about. Um, Because I wasn't fully convinced until he gave that prophetic word that he gave after the the worship time. And I really want you to um, just allow the Lord to minister to your heart in regards to how this plays out in your your life and your walk. I know we're we're all at different seasons and different stages in our walk with the Lord. And uh, I think that we have to be sober-minded in regards to the days that are ahead of us. Because if you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit at all, you know that the things He's telling you are for a reason. And you know the things that He's preparing in your heart and speaking to your heart about and trying to lead you in is so that you're not caught off guard. Uh, He wants you to live in, in a state of readiness. He wants you to live in a state of being connected to His power and His sustenance. And uh, I feel tonight as we continue on our God Thoughts series. I know it's been a while since we've been able to get back around for tonight for the second installment, but we had an incredible week last week with our dwelling place service. A lot of cool testimonies uh, that are still coming out. Um, hopefully some of those we can, we can capture as they come and share with you uh, in, in a cool way. And uh, we just see, seen the beginning of, of something I think that's going to really deepen those services. In those times, I was really proud of the ministry team and them stepping out with the words of knowledge and the things that they gave. Uh, there were several uh, that came up to me after the ministry time was done and said that many of the words of knowledge that they gave, people that didn't raise their hand because they were afraid, came up and said, "I was too afraid, but that was for that was for me." So uh, I was just happy to see the response and uh, people really, really uh, just allowing themselves to be moved by the Holy Spirit into a deeper place. Of worship, and I know that that's definitely on God's heart for us as a Wednesday night group is just to move into into a deeper place with Him, a, deep, a deeper place in in the release of our faith. And um, I've I've had an interesting past two or three weeks uh, personally, and just uh, different things that seem to show up and are always uh, always the, the signs of you actually making progress. And moving forward, so I, I tend to get excited whenever there's uh, resistance because it's it means that we're we're heading in a direction that darkness is threatened by, uh, and that and that's exciting to me. But I just have to remind myself that it's exciting uh, whenever those things start to to show up and and dealing with that. But I I just feel uh, I feel a level of excitement in my heart that um, we're, we're in the middle of a really good season. I just wish I could tell you what that season is. Because I have no idea. I have no idea, but I know it's good, and I know that it's exciting. And I feel like um, a lot of it has to do with what the Lord's laid on my heart to share tonight. So this is very unpolished. Uh, Anytime I preach from this, 
you need to know that it means it's very unpolished because this is just where I keep my thoughts is in this thing here. It's very scary. You never want to read this, but uh, I'm going to do my best to extrapolate from that and uh, take a few core things that I feel like God's given me as kind of anchor points as we continue on tonight with God thoughts. So let's pray really quickly, and then we're going to jump in. And uh, my, first, my first statement of the evening is going to be a quote from Dr. Seuss. So it's going to be a great service. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your grace in our lives. We know and believe, Lord, that you are speaking to us in this hour about endurance and resilience and fighting a good fight and running a good race. And Lord, I pray tonight that we would just allow ourselves to embrace the conviction of the Holy Spirit Because God, your word says that you discipline or you correct those that you love. And Jesus, as long as you're speaking corrective things to us, that means you still love us. And Jesus, we're excited about that tonight. I pray that as a pastor, communicator this evening to the sheep, that you would use me. And Father, that I would represent you well. And Lord, I'm still a little bit upset with you for having me preach this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God wants honesty from you, just so you know. He's, he's a big enough boy to take your whining, so I never, I'm, never, I'm never ashamed of whining to God. He, as any good father, he, he uh, is long-suffering, and then he tells me just to shut up and do it. So uh, as we're going to go tonight. Dr. Seuss, one of my favorite Dr. Seuss things, uh, there's probably a few here that had me as a Bible teacher in Victor Life Academy, and I'm sorry. I didn't, know, I didn't know then what I know now, and I could have done a better job, but most of you stuck around, and we saw good things happen with those group of kids, but man, I was, I, was pretty, I was pretty zealous in a lot of immature ways, so it's always good to look back, and in the moment, you never know, though, do you? In the moment, you're like, I'm just on fire for God, and this is just exactly what needs to happen, and everybody needs to know the truth that I carry, and then you get a few years down the road, and you're like, man, I'm surprised I did anything, anything good at all. Uh, but uh, if you had me during that time, and there's only probably two or three, I took off my glasses. That's another way you know I'm nervous if I take off my glasses because it helps me preach if I can't see what any of you are doing. <laughs> so two things to know about me. If I preach out of this, it's very unpolished, and if I take off my glasses, I'm nervous. So those are just some things to know about me. Um, but if you had me during that time in the academy, then you'll know that uh, I kind of had this kick for a while on preaching from the Lorax. And uh, the Lorax is good. I just, I enjoy it. Um, some people get offended by it because it seems too, like, green or, you know, uh, like, a, like a hippie cartoon or something like that. And, uh, and I'm fully aware that we're in southern Oklahoma, and, and I'm, I, I just, I get that. You can interpret the Lorax the wrong way, or you can get your mind renewed and look for the kingdom in it. And I think that we should do that with a lot of things that we just have the propensity to get offended about. We need to open up our mind and say, God, could it be possible that you really do seem to show up in everything at some level and you can speak to me through this? So that's kind of how it was. And other thing you need to know about me is that uh, I have a a propensity to cry uh, about really ridiculous things. So there's uh, the cartoon, the Lorax, not the old one, but the newer one. And uh, every time I watch it, I cry at the end of it. Uh, I cried a lot of weird things. I don't know if you're familiar with the musical Hairspray, but I cried at the end of that too. Uh, There's just a lot of strange things that I cry about. Uh, I also cry when I go to the Brazilian Steakhouse, but if you don't cry at the Brazilian Steakhouse, there's something wrong with you. You need to get saved. That's a beautiful, 
thing. That's, that's heaven on earth. That's very close to just a manifestation of God's glory. So uh, a lot of you would just be a lot happier if you went to the Brazilian Steakhouse. So a lot of you don't need del- deliverance. You just need unlimited meat for an evening is all that you really need. Um, but this is the quote that God put on my heart. And it's probably one of my favorite quotes. And I mean, I've, I've, read, I've read quite a few things. But I really like this quote because I feel like it speaks to, uh, it speaks to the Christian life in a way that's simple, but at the same time profound. So I'm going to start off the night with this. It's Dr. Seuss, the Lorax. This is the Lorax talking, just so you know. And he says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot. Someone like you. Everybody point at yourself and say, me. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to get better. It's not. I think the most believable lie that the enemy tells the Christian every day is this. That's not your job. I think the most believable lie the demonic forces whisper into the ears of unknowing, unsuspecting, oftentimes ignorant. You know the difference between ignorant and stupidity, right? Ignorant is you don't know any better. Stupidity is you know better and you choose to do the opposite. Okay, you figure out which one you are. All right? We're all at different places and stages in our Christian journey. I'm at a place now to where I know too much to be ignorant. So most of the time I'm just stupid, just being honest. All right? It's part of the problem with growing in Revelation. You become accountable to more. But there's this lie that's whispered to us on a day-in and a day-out basis. And it's a lie that appeals to our comforts. It's a lie that appeals to our conveniences. And it's a lie that allows us to shift responsibility onto some other party besides us. And this happens in many times in many places. And I'd like to propose to you tonight that God cares about everything. There's nothing that God doesn't care about. Yeah, I know, Kenneth. Thank you. And the reason why I know that God cares about everything is because he gave everything to save everything. He gave everything that he had in Christ in order to save everything. In fact, the scripture tells us in Colossians and I love this, this passage. I think, I think you will enjoy it too. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. But in Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to read this to you out of the Message Bible uh, because I just love how, how the interpretation goes. But Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. I'm going to read you five verses here out of the Message. And um, the language is just very, very good. It, it really jumps off the page at me every time I read it. It says this, verses 15 through 20. We look at this sun. Now, who's the sun? The sun is the everything that God was willing to give to save everyone because he cared. John tells us that God so loved the world that he gave. The first thing we need to know about caring or loving is that it's impossible to do it without doing something. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. To just be indifferent, to not care. And really when you get down to what the definition of hate really needs to be, it's inaction. It's looking at a situation, looking into something 
and feel zero amount of compelling from the Holy Spirit to step in and to do anything about it. Hate is able to look at situations and say, I don't care. Hate looks more like indifference. And I say the opposite of love truly is indifference. So when we look at how much God cares, and if we believe that God cares about everything, and you all said yes, so don't lie now, all right? You believe that God cares about everything, then the way we understand how and why God cares about everything is when we look at Jesus. Can I get an amen so far? So Colossians tells us to do just that. Paul's letter to the church in Colossae in verse 15 says, we, as the body of Christ, look at this son, God's son, and see the God that cannot be seen. One of the most important things you need to know about Jesus is that anytime you're tempted to interpret God in a way that might be kind of weird, you always need to come back and align your interpretation of God with Christ. That's the best theology. Jesus is the best possible theology that we can have. And as a church and as members of the church, when people ask you, what do you believe about God? You need to be able to say, whatever I've seen in Jesus is what I believe about God. Period. Jesus is perfect theology. So we look at this son who's the focal point of our gaze is a Christian living in the world, living in the midst of all these lies from the enemy and the culture and the darkness that we're in the midst of. We have to be looking at the sun. And as we see the sun, we see what God's really like. And it says this, we look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything he created. You know, it's easy to look at things and interpret their purpose based upon your opinion or your feelings. But the same way that we're not allowed to interpret what we think about God based upon our opinions or our feelings, we have to look at Christ. The things that are created around us, including the people around us, we have to reserve the right for their purposes and those things' purposes to be interpreted by God as well because they've been created through and from Christ. This is just linear logic. Is everybody following it okay? It's a lot of if-then statements. If we believe that Jesus is what God looks like, then we also have to believe that God created everything and he did it through Christ. And if God cares about everything and if Jesus has something to say about everything, then we don't have the right to look at anything without first consulting the one that made everything. Are you with me now? Okay, good. That was the Holy Spirit, by the way. I can never do that in any other conversation. I surprised myself, praise God. We look at this sun. And see God's original purpose in everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. Created. For everything. Say everything. Everything. Absolutely everything. You think Paul's trying to talk to us about everything? Everything above and below. Visible and invisible. Rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him. Who's him? Jesus. And finds its purpose in Him, Jesus, he was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up up to this very moment. And when it comes to the church, us, he organizes it and holds it together like a head does a body. Verse 18, he was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. I love that. He is the supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there. Who's he? Jesus, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, 
that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, listen, not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. All things, people, things, animals, and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in who? Christ. In our first installment of this series, I made a case for you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that by, by and because of the Holy Spirit of promise, every believer has now been endowed with the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. The mind of the one that is sustaining all things, has created all things, and now through his death, burial, and resurrection, all things, every dislocated piece of the universe has now found its way to be completed in him. It's why he's the prince of peace. It's why he's the prince of shalom, because shalom means wholeness. It means health. It means wellness. It means healing. It means completeness. Jesus through what he's accomplished, through his death, burial, and resurrection, has brought all things into a place of completeness, shalom, inside of himself. That mind, the mind of the Prince of Peace, is housed on the inside of every believer. Isn't that amazing? Pastor Duane, on uh, Sunday, he read this passage that I, that I really like. And it's out, of, uh, it's out of Jeremiah. You'll remember it when I read it. He read it out of the Amplified Bible. In chapter 5, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 21 through 22, reads like this in the Amplified Bible. It says, Now hear this, O foolish people without heart. <laughs> foolish is stupid, by the way. Foolish people without heart. I told you the difference, right? Who have eyes but do not see? Who have ears but do not hear? Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Do you not tremble in awe in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea. An eternal decree and a perpetual barrier beyond which it cannot pass. Though the waves of the sea toss and break, yet they cannot prevail against the sand ordained to block them. Though the waves and billows roar, yet they cannot cross over the barrier. Is not such a God to be feared? The answer is yes. Think about this. The God that created all things... And now all things have become completed and unified in Christ. The mind of that God's on the inside of you. The mind of that God is on the inside of you. And it's the same mind that figured out how to make the oceans go so far on the shoreline and then always retreat back. Have you noticed that everything in creation speaks to God's fascination with balance and boundaries? Have you figured this out yet? Everything. Pastor elaborated this on this on Sunday about the earth tilted just the right way so that we're not too hot, not too cold. The ocean's going so far on the shoreline and retracting. Do you know whenever a tsunami happens and the water crosses beyond that shoreline, how many of you know that nobody wants to live every day with a tsunami happening if you live close to the ocean? When those kinds of things happen, those times of chaos, everybody's able to say, that's not right. That's dislocated. That's gone beyond God's boundary. That's gone beyond the way that things are supposed to be. That's how we are with death. You know, human beings were not created to die. We're actually created with an original intention to live forever. That's why nobody's okay with sickness. 
because we're not designed to be sick. We're not, we're not designed to die. That's not the original intention of God. This ocean wasn't created to be outside of its boundaries. The mind that created all of those balances, the mind that has created this system and these ecosystems of health in the world, that mind is on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit of promise. Is everybody okay with that? Dr. Seuss said, through the Lorax, (laughs) that unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to get better. It's not. And I'd like to propose tonight that God wants us to care about things more than we do. He wants us to care about things more than we do. And he doesn't want us to get there by this strange willpower or forcing ourselves in a particular direction. He wants us to learn to care about things the way he does by accessing something he's already placed on the inside of us. See, we're not trying to grow in our ability to care and our ability to be lights in the world and our ability to manifest heavenly realities in our day to day. We're not trying to grow in that by obtaining something. We're actually trying to grow in that by surrendering to something that's already on the inside of us. Most people are thinking through growing and having impact and making a real difference in the world and growing in the relationship with God by looking at it as something that we have to obtain instead of something that we already possess by faith in Christ. And there's this internal thing that has to happen. See, we have to be able to start caring about the right things. Most people that I talk to care more about what are the things that God's wanting them to accomplish in their life or what are the things that God wants them to do instead of caring about the person they're actually becoming. And I talked to you a few weeks ago about God's will in our lives has more to do with us becoming a particular type of person than it does with us accomplishing particular things. God's will, God's will is, to, is to mold our hearts and to the right containers to shape our characters, to shape the attributes that he's placed on the inside of us to be a better reflection of Christ. God's will at the end of the day is exactly what we just read out of Colossians, and that's this, that we, by his mind, would understand that all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, our lives included, have come into a place of health, come into a place of balance in this deep spiritual mystery in Christ, and God wills to release that kind of health health and balance into a world that's in total chaos. The problem is whenever the inner world of the believer is not accessing on a day-to-day, minute-by-minute basis, that place of balance, that place of peace, that place of accessing God's very mind. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing's going to get better It's not. This is what I believe, that healthy people are helpful people. I'll tell you again. Healthy people are helpful people. You can write this down or turn there with me if you want to. But take a look at uh, 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2. John is the one mentioned in the scripture to be the beloved disciple of Jesus He's the one that got to lay his head on Jesus' chest and hear the very heartbeat of God. That's so cool. Hope to be able to do that one day. How about you? And this is what he wrote in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. He said, Beloved, who's that? I pray that you may prosper 
in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. One of the founding fathers of the faith that got so close to Jesus that he could hear his very heartbeat, he said the thing that he wanted for the beloved of God more than anything else was for them to learn how to come into a place of health, how to come into a place of wholeness. Can I be real with you tonight? We're gonna be limited on our ability to help heal cities and bring wholeness to cities if we haven't personally cooperated with the Holy Spirit to bring wholeness to our souls. We're gonna be limited in our ability to bring wholeness and prosperity to entire regions. I don't know what you're in it for, but I think Jesus is in this to win the world. I think Jesus is in it to win Durant, Oklahoma. I think Jesus is in it to see everybody in your family saved. And I think that a lot of times we're not able to access God's mind like we should, which is a whole mind, a sound mind. And it's because we have to deal and walk through all the mess and all the junk and all the spiritual traffic that's taken place in our souls, in our inner world. I don't think it's God's best for Christians to pronounce freedom, but still privately live in bondage. I don't think it's God's best for believers that are filled with the very mind of Christ to preach patience, but be rude people. I don't think it's God's best for believers, okay, to proclaim health, but still live in a place of solical sickness filled with suspicion, worry, offense, division. Are you following me? And here's the thing I know is that God's health wills to manifest in your life in every particular area. And do you know why? Because God's healthy and healthy people are helpful people. God wants to help you. God wants to help you get into a place of health so that you can help others get there. I know it'd be nice sometimes if God could just cut out the middleman, but the middleman's the church, and I don't think he's given up on that idea. Are you following me? I believe that God wants to speak to us deep in our hearts about the areas in our life where we have settled to be unhealthy. See why I didn't want to preach this? See how I took such a long time in the introduction? Because here's the thing. I don't think that God just wants to spiritualize our health. I think God wants us to be healthy on all three dimensions of who we are, spirit, soul, and body. And at some point in time, if I preach this, I'm going to have to talk about how I have this propensity to seek comfort through the fast food line instead of time in his presence. That's not God's best for my life. It's not God's best for your life. Are you following me? See, I'm willing to talk about my weaknesses. You just have to be too. And you got to be honest enough with the Lord to say, God, if you've really placed your mind on the inside of me and your will is that I would be in health and prosper even as my soul prospers, then what excuse, what lie have I bought into that's justifying this measure of unhealth in me? Why do I believe it? Why have I justified it? And why am I content living in a way that's subpar from what you've died to pay for? Amen. 
This is the first time I've been excited that I only have 11 minutes left. <laughs> I think God cares about everything. And I think the first thing you got to have a revelation about before you can really go about bringing health and help into the world is believe that God wants to help you. I believe that you've got to believe that God wants to help you step into a place of health in your body. I believe that you've got to believe that God wants to help you step into a place of health in your relationships. I believe that you have to believe that God wants to help you step into a place of health in your finances. I believe that you have to believe that God wills to talk about every area of your life, even the parts that you wish he wouldn't. And most of the time how he does that is through people that care. But we don't like people to care about everything. We like them to care just about some things. But see, the only way to really get out of deception into areas where we've been deceived and we're believing our carnal minds that the enemy traffics in instead of the mind of Christ. You know, the mind of Christ is not able to be deceived because it's filled with truth. But the mind of our flesh, the mind of our comfort, the mind of, that we default to, it's able to be deceived because that's the enemy's playground is in the unrenewed mind. We got to learn how to take the things of God's mind and allow that to shape our natural minds. Are you following me? We got to take the mind of Christ that's in our spirit and operate through the realm of our soul, our thoughts, our will, and our emotions and allow it to now actually shape this natural mind, which is this kind of gooey, muscular thing up here and create new pathways, have new synapses fire, create new habits. I believe that God wants us to learn to listen to the nudges he's giving us in regards to creating healthy habits. Because most of our brains are scarred with unhealthy habits that we default to, whatever it might be. Do you know gossip is an unhealthy habit? And the nature of being deceived and buying a lie and living short of God's bless best is that at some level in our lives, we haven't allowed ourselves to believe somebody else more than we believe us. The only way to get out of deception is you have to believe somebody else more than you believe you. Because the nature of deception is you don't know that you're deceived. The best counseling session I ever had was whenever a guy looked at me and said, I'm not deceived, Pastor, because if I was, I would know it. <laughs> you think that's funny, but you do it all the time. And so do I. I'm not deceived in this area. I'm justified in this area because of this, this, that, or the other. But until you believe that there's a creator of the universe that cares about you more than you care about you, you're never going to allow him to really help you. Helpful people are healthy people. And healthy people and helpful people are people that care. God cares about every aspect of your life. And we need to learn how to submit to the mind of Christ to allow his thoughts to, to start to shape our behaviors. Is everybody okay? What area of your life are you living short of God's best? What area of your life have you allowed a lie of comfort to now create a stopping point in regards to God's blessing in your life? You know, most of the time, if you're anything like me, and since I'm really nervous talking about you, I'm just going to talk about myself. 
If you're anything like me, the word discipline is a bad word. Do you know why I don't like discipline? Because it's discipline. Don't like discipline. Discipline to me is bondage. Why would you want to live a life of discipline in that particular area? Because that's bondage. That's legalism. Haven't you heard about grace, man? Don't you need to get saved? Don't you need to learn that God really doesn't care about that? Well, he does. And what I found is on this journey of life is that any area that God's asking me to engage in some endurance, to become more resilient in, to exert some effort in, to start a healthy habit, to engage in some discipline in, the whole point of the discipline is he's actually trying to get me to a place of delight and I've just settled for my own personal comfort. See, the whole point of discipline is freedom. That's the whole point of discipline. See, here's the thing about it, is that if you and I were to open a car right now and make a road trip to Disney World, how many of you know it's going to take a while? The drive time is discipline, but the destination is delight. We have to be willing to endure the drive time to get to the destination of delight. And do you know that when you arrive at the destination of delight, which is freedom, which is health, which is wholeness, when you get to that place of delight, you have a hard time reflecting negatively on the road trip. Because when you're experiencing the delight of Disney World, you say the 2,000 miles or however long it is was totally worth it. We say that about things that really were terrible in the moment, but when we actually did it, when we actually took the step, when we actually allowed the Holy Spirit to show up and I don't know, do what he's supposed to do, which is give us comfort in the midst of uncomfortable situations when we actually access God's grace, when we actually make a decision, I know this is so strange to talk about in church, but saying no to self and yes to God, even in the small things. What happens is, is that there's this new level of delight that we step into as an individual. And you've said this before and you've heard people say it, I would do it all over again to get to that place. But the lie of convenience the lie of spiritualizing your excess, the lie of spiritualizing your unhealth says that it's somebody else's job. Well, I'm just not wired that way. I know there's some people that set aside time every day to be in the scripture and to read and study God's word, but I'm just not wired that way. That's somebody else's job. I know there's people every day that set time aside to pray and really commune with the Lord. With me, I'm like in every other prayer kind of guy. You know, every other day I'll pray a little bit. I know there's people that, that can't watch that particular show or listen to that type of music, but it really doesn't have any effect on me. That's somebody else's job to worry about that. I know there's people that just are really easily able to create healthy habits like eating right and actually doing something physically active in a day. I know I'm making myself sick talking about it, but, <laughs> but that's just not me. That's really some for somebody else. Are you following me? But the question is this. Is it really somebody else's job? Because see, this is what happens. Whatever area of your life that you're currently not engaging in the discipline of accessing God's mind, whatever area of your life you're not engaging in the discipline of saying, Jesus, I know you probably care about this and I've been ignoring your opinion on it. I know this area of my life was something we never talk about, and I know that you really want to talk to me about it. See, whatever area of our life we're living out of balance, out of health, it's impossible for that not to be contagious on every other area of your life. 
There's things in my life that I find when I don't put restraint on them, it contributes to breakdown in every other area. Because the lie is that you're able to compartmentalize your life and keep certain things separate like you do the food on your plate sometimes. As long as I don't let this touch this, this actually has no effect on this. Welcome to deception. As long as I don't do this every day, it actually will have no effect or bearing on the way that I think. As long as I do this and then do this, it'll make this okay. Are you following me? What if God cares about more things than you think he does? What if God actually wants you to not just experience life at the mediocre level that you're okay with, but what if God actually wants you to experience what John 10, 10 says, life and it more abundantly? What if the destination is delight? The reason I know it is, is because it's what the beginning was. The word Eden means delight. God's destination for your life is not a road of slavery that we interpret as discipline. God's road for your life is learning how to live in a disciplined way to access his mind before you default to yours so that you can actually now live a life of freedom, delighting in the goodness of all his many benefits. I think at some point in time, we have to make some things not somebody else's job. Everything. All the dislocated pieces of the universe find their fit. They find their completion in Jesus. Everything from paper towels to people. What do I mean by that? What happens whenever you make a decision to believe that God cares about you way more than you think he does and he actually wants to help you step into a place of health in every area of your life, this is what happens. You start believing that every situation, every relationship, and every environment that you speak into, God cares about those things too and he wants to use you to become a healthy, helpful person in every environment that you're in. Which means that whenever you step into a bathroom in a public place and there's three or four paper towels on the floor, I don't look at that and say, that's somebody else's job. As long as I'm here, I get a clean paper towel and I pick up the three or four off the floor because whenever we make a decision to step into situations and not allow those situations to be better after we leave, we're living less than God's best. But that doesn't happen. Those things don't happen until you become a particular type of person. A type of person that internally doesn't constantly shift responsibility when things get uncomfortable. The type of person internally that's practiced saying no to the flesh so that when I pick up the three or four paper towels off the floor, because there's somebody at this restaurant that more than likely is making less money than I do, more than likely could be having a harder life than I'm having, more than likely could have got worse news today than I've gotten, more than likely could have had a more rough upbringing than I have that's gonna come in and clean this bathroom tonight. I'm gonna make it just a little bit better and care because I'm healthy and I'm gonna pick up three or four paper towels off the floor and when I go to the sink and there's water everywhere, I'm gonna use those paper towels and I'm gonna walk down the counter and that bathroom's gonna be better because I touched it because when I am a healthy person, I don't spread sickness, I spread wholeness. So everywhere I go, I'm looking to spread wholeness. But when I'm unhealthy in here, everything I touch gets contagious with my unhealth. 
It gets tainted by my complacencies and by my attitudes and by my insecurities instead of when I step into a place because I've disciplined myself, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says that as a runner runs a race to win, he said, and they receive a wreath, a trophy that's perishable. He said, so much more are we that are running this spiritual race. We need to run a race to win it for the reward. He said, and I don't box as somebody just boxing the air. He said, but I discipline my body like an athlete to bring it under control. What does that mean? I bring myself willfully by cooperating with Christ's mind and his power and his enablement in my life. Because here's the beautiful thing about it. If you were able to get healthy by yourself, Jesus would have never died. And if you had enough willpower on the inside of you to change Nothing ever would have changed, including the world. The power on the inside of you is accessible through the mind of Christ. And when I choose to consult the scriptures and the Holy Spirit to access God's mind, what happens is that health starts to be released in my life. And I see situations and I can't help but start having God thoughts about myself when I look in the mirror, about the bathroom at the restaurant, and about the people that I work with. All the broken, dislocated pieces of the universe Paper towels to people find their completion in Christ. Church, where is Christ at this very moment? Right here. There's something on the inside of you that's constantly drawing you into a place of making wholeness, making shalom. In fact, it's what Matthew 5 says. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God, representatives of God in the earth accessing God's mind and starting to interact with God thoughts means that I get God results in my personal life and in the life around me. What is God wanting to talk to you about that you're too busy being deceived about? You have to trust somebody else more than you trust you. Which is why community is important. Which is why life group's important. I did something this week that's scary. And as I got some of the results, it was proven that it was scary. But I listened to this message not too long ago by a guy named Chris Valentin. And it's from about three or four years ago. It's called Success as a Team Sport. And after I listened to this message, I felt the Lord tell me this. I want you to email everybody that works for you in Durant, everybody that you're entrusted to oversee, everybody that's on your team, all 20 folks. And I want you to ask them, to respond, make sure you tell them there's no negative consequences for doing this, but to respond back to you by said day with one piece of advice that would make you a better pastor, leader, friend in their life. I tell you that not to say, oh, look at what I've done. I tell you that because at some point in time for you to access God's thoughts, as I told you in the first installment of this series, you've got to take control over your thoughts. And there's things that people see about your life that you've been too busy being deceived by the enemy about. There's things that people see about your life and God will use healthy people to speak helpful things into your life. Now, there's a disclaimer on this. I suggest that you ask healthy people. You'll have God thoughts about the people to ask. You'll have God thoughts. God will speak to you individually but especially if he's trying to work out pride and arrogance in your life, 
he'll ask you to ask other people too. Because arrogant people all the time are just content with talking to God about it and not bringing anybody else into it. Because most of the time there's an undertone of fear with everybody that's arrogant, just so you know. Arrogance always is a compensation for, for paralyzing fear. So if you're an arrogant person, you just need to get fear out of your life. That's it. You'll stop being arrogant. Simple. Isn't that cool? All right, I'm losing you now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you believe that all the broken, dislocated pieces of the universe, from paper towels to people, find their completion in Jesus, and that there's God thoughts about your life that you're too afraid to access because you know it's going to involve work. I got good news for you. The book of Isaiah says that when God sends forth his word, it will accomplish what it was sent out to do. It will not return to him void. Do you know any God thought is something that God's saying to you personally? And in that word, it actually carries, if you receive it in humility and if you receive it by faith, the word itself from the Lord carries the potential to actually perform itself in your life. All it takes is your cooperation to believe it. So in this honest moment with the Lord, four minutes, four minutes. Between you and the Holy Spirit, I want you to ask him one of two things. Father, I ask that you speak to me about any area of my life that I've settled for less than your best. And show me why I've done it. The second thing I want you to ask him is, God, show me a healthy person that I can go to in my life group, in my friend network, on my grow team, in my church, in my family. And ask for feedback in my life. For some of you, God might speak directly to an issue or an area of your life. He's got a word of wisdom for you. He's got a way for you to grow in health in that area. You gotta believe that he loves you and that he, he desires to help you. He doesn't desire for you to stay broken in that area. He wants you to come into a place of wholeness. Some of you, the Lord's speaking to you about that thing right now. For others of you, he's showing you faces of people that you need to talk to people that you need to trust more than you trust yourself. People that you need to go to and say, hey, look, there's some areas in my life that I know I'm unhealthy. I just don't know what they are. Do you see anything in me that's less than God's best? Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak against the spirit of fear in this place. I speak against, Father, spirit of timidity that leads to us hiding behind comforts and justifying areas in our life where we're unhealthy. And Father, I pray that we would no longer settle for less than your best. But Jesus, our desire is that we would step into a place of shalom. We would step into a place of completeness, spirit, soul, and body. 
Where are those areas in our lives that stress has led us to embrace counterfeits? Counterfeits that provide momentary pleasure, but they're not delightful. We believe in this place that you've got a destination for us of delight. And we believe that you're gonna instruct us. We believe that you're gonna speak to us. We believe and we pray tonight, Psalm 90 verse 12, that says, help us God to remember that our days are numbered and help us to interpret our lives correctly. Set your wisdom deeply in our hearts so that we may accept your correction as sons, as daughters that are dedicated to growing in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Why don't you stand to your feet if you're ready to embrace God thoughts that are going to lead to God's best for your life. Stand to your feet if you're ready for a destination of delight. You're ready for a walk of discipline. How many of you believe that you're a disciple? It means you're a disciplined follower of Christ. It means there's areas of your life that God's going to empower you to run hard after him and stop making excuses and to say, Father, help me. He delights in helping you because you're his children and he loves you very much.